that throat clearing is my dad, Jack. That's the the first generation in Generation Tech. Welcome to the show. I'm Todd Brinker. How are you? I'm doing just fine. Yeah. Just fine. Trying to fig trying to figure out what uh, what's uh, in the news here. Yeah, where we're talking and about one of one of the things had to do with some malware that apparently has mm-hmm. shown up that can steal your credit card data or probably anything else if they can steal that. So yeah, well, uh, basically what it is is that they're um, they're asking you to access. They need to access your system preference on an in, on an install. So first of all, you would have to uh, install software that wasn't on the Mac App Store. So if if you're a user who goes and finds software other places and then installs it, uh, then you could have, you know, get yourself into trouble because you explicitly give them that access. You know, Mac OS wants to access the system preferences and then they ask you to put in your password. That's a fake password prompt. Once they have your password, they can do whatever they want to with your system. So... Uh, just beware of software asking for for system software or you know system access, um, you know especially if it's That's software. The only thing from... they ever write about Macs every once in a while they want to make people aware that uh, yes. if you screw up and let somebody into your machine, by golly, they can do bad things. Yeah, yeah. I mean, this is <laughs> this is not so much a a. Um, uh, I, I mean, it's malware, but it's not a a uh, a bug or a um, or you know some kind of computational thing. It's it's social engineering. What they're doing is they're trying to convince you as a person to give them your password. Which if you do, yeah, they have access to whatever you can get to with your password. Which you know. Well, and the thing is, is they, they have a, go ahead. They specifically brought up a system's preference window that says Mac OS wants to access the system preferences yeah <laughs> and if you say okay yeah you're yeah. the farm away right yeah well and they're saying that this, that's not even a real system preferences uh uh pain that it's a fake one that was uh created in order to of get course. your password so i mean it's pretty low tech actually in far as far as how they're getting it the thing that bothers me about this kind of stuff is they say this is an app called max Steeler, and if you install the the uh, file we DMG DMG being the um, uh, disk image uh, file that allows you to install apps on a Mac. They they you know talk about this being a Mac issue, but these kinds of things exist on every platform. This can happen in iOS. This can happen in Windows. This can happen in Linux. Any anybody who writes a piece of software that says, "Hey, give me your password," and you're dumb enough to give it your password, and I'm saying, and I'm and I say dumb enough, easy enough to get tricked, because anybody, even the most knowledgeable person, can get tricked into doing it. I mean, uh, but the way you avoid that yeah. is don't don't install software that's not from the App Store. If you do have something you want to install that's fr- not from the App Store, make sure that it's from a trusted you know, vendor or, you know, it's something that that is specifically tied to like a piece of hardware that you need and you're getting it directly from their website. Don't download from some other website, um, you know, that promises to have faster downloads or whatever. Don't, you know, don't trust that. Um, Yeah, it's, I mean, I don't know. I think the, the framing of this article is a little disingenuous. Uh, Yeah, there are some some uh, social engineering apps out there that get you to give up access to your computer and they will unfortunately take advantage of you. 
but you know, again, if you stay with the oh, app store, you're, you're if you stay with the app store, you're going to be fine. Yeah, follow the rules of good living, good clean living. Anyway, that's right. And you'll eat your veggies, be people. Right. Eat your veggies. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I found yeah. out a good reason never to buy a GM automobile again. <laughs> oh, I know that one. Yes. Yeah. They are committed to Google. Yeah. Google, so only Google. Apparently, starting what? in 2020 with a 2024 model that uh, uh, actually the first one is going to come out this year, they are using Google's um, uh, version. It's called Google Automotive, and it will supplant both Android Auto and CarPlay. And it will give you their infotainment and their car management stuff. It's sort of like the expanded version of CarPlay that Apple showed at, at the developers' conference. And as the mm -hmm. folks at Mac Daily News pointed out, the, uh, when Apple talked about partners, they, they very noticeably did not include General Motors. So General Motors had already cut a deal with the Android folks or with the Google folks in order to... Uh, Use that as the underlying system for their for their automotive uh, electronics, and so uh, now and we, we the, the future says we're going to select our cars based on the electronic devices that we're committed to. I think so. Never change. Honestly, they I think never change. We're well, more bound to our devices than we are our cars. Yeah, and there's lots of you know good cars made by different manufacturers. I know that um, you know I, I know. Apple said, uh, or or it was published shortly after Apple had talked about their advanced version of CarPlay last year, that 75% of new car buyers uh, are looking for a vehicle, the, in the United States anyway, are looking for a vehicle that's compatible with CarPlay. So it seems incomprehensible to me that General Motors would walk away from that, but, you know. Um, if you can, yeah. if you can corner the other twenty-five percent of the market, you're the biggest manufacturer on the planet, right? So, yeah, <laughs> you know, I guess, <laughs> I guess that's that's um, one way to look at it. But well, um, at this at this time of change in the automobile industry, it seems like it's a dumb time to uh, isolate and throw away potential uh, yeah. potential buyers. Yeah, because I personally would not buy a vehicle that does not have CarPlay in it. Absolutely. You know, I just wouldn't. And Absolutely. in fact, um, I when I, I have rented vehicles on travel, and I won't rent a vehicle that doesn't have CarPlay in it. Um, yep. I have an old vehicle that didn't have CarPlay in it, and I put CarPlay in it. <laughs> you know, I just to yeah. me that is the 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 and it, and there's something nice and comforting about having that interface for you know, especially if you're traveling and using a rental car. To you know, that's the interface you know how to use. You can get to your maps. You can find out where you're at. You can you can uh, do hands-free phone calling easily. Um, it's just I, I don't understand. Speaking of, speaking of that, yeah. I went into my dealer for the first time in oh, maybe over a year or two. I don't know, it's been a yeah. long time, and they had to do some things with my car, and somehow they managed to disconnect so that my phone no longer connects to my my car system so that I can't just plug it in and and, and have Apple uh, CarPlay. And so I guess I, I, I just you just reminded me I got to go back and set that up again. Yeah. Because I discovered this when I was on the road and I didn't want to mess with it, you know, because right. it takes a while to figure do it again and all that. Yeah. Yeah, so, yeah, you don't want to do it while you're driving. You need to do it when you've got some time to sit down and 
and play with it and get it set up. But um, ironically, it, it shouldn't be that big of a deal to set up, but sometimes it is, you know, it's like, uh, I, it irritates me that, uh, that, um, that it's as, you know, that, that the making that connection sometimes is difficult. I have a pair of, um, like fairly loud speaker type of Bluetooth, uh, speakers. They look like almost like yeah. a small version of the old boom box. They've got a handle across the top and two speakers on the front. Uh, but they don't have any like cassette player in the middle or any radio. It's just a Bluetooth speaker, but they're loud. You can take them around a swimming pool and you can hear them across the pool, which is, you know, what, you know, I, I, if I'm like at swim practice, I will play music or something. And we don't, we have to, you know, we, we rent the pool facility. So we, we don't have a built in system. So anyway, um, I had one and I bought a second one so that I could pair them because the feature that they offer is that you can pair them and then you can have a stereo pair and you can set them on opposite corners of the pool and, you know, you get a better sound. It's clear, but also then it's stereo. It sounds kind of cool. So I spent 20 minutes futzing around with those things, trying to get them to pair and finally got it. I'm still not sure exactly what sequence of buttons I hit because it just... And of course, you go to their website, and they have both. It's it's both Chinese and English, and the difference yeah. between the Chinese and the English website is the English website has the titles of each section in English. Everything else is Chinese. Oh boy! <laughs> yeah, which was of no use whatsoever. Um, however, I'm a lucky guy. I happen to coach some children who are of Chinese descent and speak Chinese as their primary language. English is their second language. (laughs) And so I said, read this for me. (laughs) Help me here. Um, And, and got it basically then, you know, and then a a little futz it around and got the two of them to then finally pair ups in stereo and, uh, and got to play yesterday for the first time. And that was fun. These are by the way, W dash King W King, uh, D9-1 speakers. And if you want a speaker for like a backyard party that you can either play low with a lot of rich bass or play loudly so that it can be heard by, you know, over a large area, these things are phenomenal. And they're relatively portable. Mm-hmm. Like I said, they're about, they're about the size of a lunchbox. Where'd you get them? Uh, Amazon. Oh. Yeah. Okay. It's the... Uh, D D nine dash one sixty watt speaker. They are supposed to be uh, like the the port. They have ports all in one spot, and they've got a nice big rubber seal around it. They're supposed to be waterproof, and yet you could actually put them in the pool. I was tempted to do that to see if they could hear it in the water, you know, when they're swimming, mm. but. Um, I didn't because I don't want to fry my speaker. <laughs> There's just something about it. It's like, eh, I don't know about well, setting about, it in a pool. <laughs> well, how, about the, how about the wire connection to, you know, or is it all radio? In which case, in underwater, it might well, not it's, even it's hear got, the radio. Yeah, it's got a rubber seal. And that's the thing is Bluetooth doesn't go through water very well. So I don't know how well it would work. Um, it, the, you can use it as a, um, wired connection under the rubber seal. You can pop it out and there's several ports. There's a USB-C for charging, or you can use USB-C to charge your phone. It also has a USB-A for charging or to charge your phone. So you can use it as a power block as well. Cause it's got a good size battery inside of it. 
Um, you can also, it has a slot for a mini SD card, and you can put MP3 files on that and stick it in there and then seal the whole thing. And that's probably the smart way if you're going to use it, like, where it's going to get oh, wet, yeah. right? Because then you don't have to right. send the music to it. It's built, it's in, right? And it's behind the seal. Sure. And then lastly, there's a, a standard, like... Um, uh, audio jack, so you can take uh, audio out from something and put audio into it. So you can, like, um, you know, hmm. plug it directly into a music device if you have uh, something that has, like, the headphone jack on both ends, if you have one of those cords. I've got some of those. So, you know, I, you know. I, I, can't, I can't imagine something that works well in the air working well also underwater because the difference in the uh, density of air versus water mm -hmm. is horrendous. Yeah. And and so consequently, you're not going to get much volume. You know, you may put 60 watts in, but it's not going far. Well, yeah, well, that's water. my my experience has been that most uh, air quotes here, you know, uh, waterproof mic or uh, speakers. When you put them in the water, they're talking yeah, about rain, 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 or drizzle, or something like that. Yeah, they're, they're fine for that. But I've even seen some that you can actually they show them stuck in the water, but then the the sound carries three or four feet well and beyond that it's not much um, no what you really need yeah. is a hydrophone that's designed to actually make sound underwater and those require Absolutely. a large powerful amplifier to move them because they Absolutely. You know, they're moving some heavy sure, water yeah. to make that sound you know? yeah I, I i just don't believe that there is a dual design intended Right. Yeah. I don't think so either. I mean, I'm sure they would, you know, the manufacturers say, sure, you could do it. You could do anything with this. They're wonderful. Buy more. But, um, yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, mar marketing guys lie all the time. You yeah. Know? Yeah. Talk, talk to an engineer. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, we're all honest, right? <laughs> yeah, of course. <laughs> the, um, I am one. yeah, yeah, I know <laughs> the, um, uh, you know, the my wife was a former synchronized swimmer, um, and they actually call the sport something different now. But it's, um, but uh, they they have, have their music piped underwater. underwater for them, and so there are systems that are available that are designed specifically for that. But they don't come cheap. Yeah. That's all I was going because I've, I've looked at that. You know, I've had um, uh, swimmers because again, I coach you know speed swimming racing and uh at practice i've had kids ask for it and it's like well if it's built into the pool but i've looked and i've not found a a workable portable system that i could take and drop a a speaker into the water that would work for them so have you ever listened to any uh, voice like uh, thing i mean you know there's always the humpback whale and those kinds of sounds that propagate well mm -hmm. you know real deep and stuff but how about something with any high frequencies in it at all Oh yeah, I mean, I have I have been in the pool when the when the synchro people have their hydrophone in, and it, you can hear it throughout the whole pool. It's music playing underwater. Yeah, sounds yeah. all right. Huh? Yeah, well, I mean, it's not high fidelity. Okay, so they just it's not high fidelity, and it's not stereo. It's it's you know coming from one yeah. source, but it's it's but again, they had like a hydrophone, a thing that was on the end of a long cord that you know dropped into the water, and it ran back right. to a an actual like you know. PA type amplifier that, that pumped a lot of energy into that little, you know, like eight yeah. inch or 10 inch round disc that they dropped into the water. Oh, it's that big, huh? Usually they're really small. Yeah. Well, I don't know. Anyway, that's the size of the casing. I don't know how big the, the actual device was inside, you know, but that the, there was like a yeah. round casing that was, you know, maybe eight inches in diameter, 
10 inches. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, it's the been bigger are, they are. Been a long time. Eat up more energy, you know. To, right. To move. But yeah, you're trying to so pump yeah. sound across the entire, you know, entirety pool. of a pool. Um, but, yeah. Uh, you know, and the other thing is that the spectrum that needs to be distorted from compared to air because it's not the same uh, mm -hmm. propagation for every frequency. Uh, so, anyway, I, I don't need to get into that, but it, it, I've never heard anything underwater myself that actually resembled music or anything like that. I just wonder how it sounded. Yeah, well, I mean, you, let's put it this way. You could hear it. That didn't mean that it sounded good. Um, yeah, I, I, I found a place called Ocean Ears that sells underwater sound systems for synchronized swimming. And the uh. amplifiers are the size of, you know, a PC circa, you know, 1985. And, uh, and then they've got cables running to a, a, yeah, like I said, a disc that looks like it's eight to 10 inches in diameter. Mm -hmm. And my guess okay. is that those all cost a ton of money. Yep. It's not the normal thing to do. Uh, so anyway, uh, Something I don't know anything about, obviously. So, <laughs> uh, can't add anything to the conversation here. Yeah. Uh, next title topic that we had on the agenda here was AI development risk. Uh, of course, everybody's yeah. heard of Elon Musk out there and, and others. He's not the only one. Right, but, but he, he's been but, one of the, the louder voices, is, yeah. There's just been lots of people adapting these just about every platform. In fact, I just saw an article the other night. I was going to put it on here to, or read it, and I didn't even get back to it. But uh, it, AI apps now available for uh, the iPad, which is my prime device. Uh, I'll probably download the thing just to see what, what it's all about. Uh, it, it said in Siri-enhanced AI. Uh, so apparently it connects into through the Siri system. So did you see anything on that? I just saw the, the, the topic. No, I haven't seen anything about, um, or, or Apple say anything about AI at this point other, you know, than, than, um, uh, you know, they've, they've talked about it in the context of like photos and how they're, their photo engine recognizes different types of photos and can search for you for you uh, for those things, you know, even though there aren't yeah. any keywords, you know, attached to the photo in the metadata. So, um, you know, and that's an interesting use of AI that I think is is likable. The thing that's making all the news, of course, is the Chat GPT thing, and um, yeah. I I have yet to play with yeah. it, but everything I've read about it says that that's more a parlor trick than actual AI. So. Um, but it's entertaining, you know, because you can have a conversation with it. Sure. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I have a feeling well, that as we dig into more and more of this and we find out, um, uh, you know, what constitutes intelligence, we're going to find that more and more of what we consider intelligence amongst people is actually a parlor trick as well. It's There's not a lot of intelligence behind it. It's just a a large corpus of information that we can then pull from quickly and, and shoot responses back to, you know, we're going to find we're not as smart yeah. as we think we are either. <laughs> well, I, I'm sure this came out of the data or database processing, uh, 
that's not the buzzwords that I'm looking for, but it's been long known that if you have large uh, stores of data, and if you have sufficiently fast access to that that whole set of data, that uh, uh, that you can do some pretty interesting things. Data mining is where it started, and that was first of all sorting out how quickly you can go through. Uh, megabytes, so many megabytes mm -hmm. or gigabytes of data. Right, and sort of the basis of, of what Google has become, right, is is like mining lots of information and then quickly finding, providing us with, you know, the information is links of stuff, but that's what they, they basically right. keep and, in a giant course, database. Of course, this is just another word for search engine, except that you're, yeah. <laughs> you're searching out of a specific sort of a database. And that database is structured for quick searches as well. So it's not just arbitrary data on a disk, you know. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> so for, for speed purposes, most of this has, has specific architectures in mind. Mm -hmm. And it, I'm sure the AI stuff does as well. Uh, and then there are certain focus, focused kinds of searches and the structure of the data uh, supports that focus. Uh, so there's a number of things that are optimized in the software in order to uh, to make a, a function seem like it's magic. You can see, you know, right. what the contents of, of a full drives or multi-drives of data that are out there. Well, that's not really true. When you start talking about drives, those are mechanical kinds of things. They're not fast searchable because they rotate or there's something mechanical about them. So right. any mechanical device is not suitable for the... Uh, quick search applications. Uh, and so we got a lot of solid state memory now in places and, and in large quantities. And, and that's where they're doing these things. So the technology that, that allows this to happen is a fairly recent origin. And, uh, and as I said, uh, focused on some, some specific kinds of applications so they can optimize it and get some reasonable results that wow people, you know, because mm -hmm. that's what selling all of this is the wow factor. <laughs> uh, and it is amazing when you get new technology, no matter what it is. That's why I always enjoyed technology because you say, wow, you can do that now, you know? Uh, and so people are interested and want to know more about it. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's, it's like uh, one of the articles, the last one that I posted for today sort of seems like a a wow idea. It's not been implemented yet. And by the way, the, uh, it, it has to do with just drones that have a battery on it. And if you fly enough drones and put them together, uh, you can save somebody's uh, skin if, they're run, if their battery discharged and, or they can't start the car or something. So it's a way to jump our batteries. Yeah, yeah, that's one of those things they said. Apparently, Ford is—I th think they're referring, referring to Ford is—is yeah. is looking it, at doing that, or they've got a patent to do that. Doesn't mean that it's, uh, you know, viable right. or working yet. It's not a product, but uh, uh, yeah. they're obviously exploring the idea and want to make sure that nobody else steals their their uh, idea. Yeah, well, I don't know. We've we heard lots of ideas about drones doing something other than hovering and taking pictures, but so far they seem to be really, really good at hovering and taking pictures. 
you know, yeah. and and there's lots yeah. of ideas for them to do other stuff, but I have yet to really see any of that manifest. You know, for a long time there was, oh, Amazon's going to be you know deli- delivering packages. The drone will just fly over and set the package down at your doorstep. And yeah, that's not happening. Well, uh, I, I, yeah. I, I I am I am seeing more and more of it in use by the TV companies because they love their lifeblood is video. So now they can get their cameras in fairly close. Yeah, uh, if, unless somebody restricts them or shoots them out of the air or whatever. Right, yeah. Uh, and yeah, but they're really, really good at to... flying and taking pictures and, and, and I guess in, on the bigger scale, right, either crashing into as a bomb or dropping yeah. a bomb or missile on something. That's the, that, Those seem to be the two things that they're good at. You know? Yeah. Other than that, they really yeah. have, I mean, they we, we keep talking <laughs> about other stuff, you know, but how big is that drone going to have to be to carry a battery? Yeah. You know, that's a pretty big drone. They're not light. Batteries are heavy. Exactly. That's That's what I'm saying. And, you know, the pictures that they show of these drones that are going to be flying to give you a jump, they have this skinny little drone that looks like, you know, it it could fit in a shoebox. And I'm like, I don't think that could carry a battery. (laughs) At least not one big enough to jump my car. Unless unless Ford's also got a really big leap in battery technology they haven't talked about. Yeah, and, and most of these batteries are driven, or excuse me, drones are driven by batteries these days, the small ones anyway. Oh, yeah. Uh, if, you, if you want a drone to carry anything, you have a gasoline-powered drone helicopter, basically. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you know, I just, you know, I don't know. I, I love yeah. the idea of that, but that sort of is like, to me, the idea of a flying car from the Jetsons, and we haven't got that working either, you know? When you, when you can show yeah. me that, that you've got a drone that I can just, you know, and I know I've seen some working models and they all look ridiculous, um, but when they when a, when it becomes common that I can call a um, an Uber and instead of a car driving up in front of me, a drone lands in the street in front of me and I can get into it and go where I want to go directly and quickly, then I'll believe that they can fly a battery or drop a package at my house. <laughs> but, you know. I, yeah. I just, it, I, I, I you guess don't see I, Amazon's I, ship sending drones out from their trucks. Huh? Not yet. I just haven't <laughs> seen it, you know, and it may well, happen, they, they, but the last, know. the last I saw of that is that they were investing the viability of something to put, drop stuff in your yard, you know? Right. Uh, because, That's uh, exactly you know, what I want. Up. A package sitting out where my sprinklers can get it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, anyway, I, I'm kind of annoyed sometimes when people bring packages that they don't even bring them right up to the front door. They'll, I have a fairly good sized porch, right? And they'll sit them over on one of the chairs or tables or something over yeah. around the corner. I can't even look out the door and see the package. Yeah, you know, that, yeah, that it's hidden me. from the front door, so you don't know what the heck's going on. Yeah, I don't like and, that either. Now, if they hadn't sent me a message saying they delivered it, you know, I wouldn't even get go and walk out there and look for it. But once they tell me it's delivered, yeah. the the one one time they really puzzled me. They said it was delivered. It was actually delivered to my my uh, post office box, which is ah. <laughs> half block away. You know. Yeah. They didn't say that. They should have said that. Yeah. Usually they put like a picture in there or or some sort of notification yeah. telling you you know like where it's delivered when you get your email. Mine usually has a photograph of it and. Um, you know, I've, on my patio, I have uh, a table and chairs as well. And 
every once in a while, I'll get somebody like set the package in the table and chairs. The thing that annoys me is I have, I open my front door inward, but I have a screen door that opens outward and they will set stuff on the step in front of the screen door. So when I open it, I hit the package and there's a little bit of a lip on the step because there's like a little metal thing along the edge of the step and the package will catch there. So now I can't open the door. I, I can't open the door. The package is blocking it. I have to literally go out the other door, walk around my house, and get the, to, to get the dumb package. That irritates me. <laughs> it's like, I do not want to take a hike, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So, so, anyway, you know, grumble, grumble, grumble. We have to deal with the fact that it's not perfect. All we have to do is click a button and stuff shows up at our house. But where well, that's not good enough. Yeah. <laughs> you know? That's right. I mean, that is such a you first know, first world problem. We're so spoiled. Yeah. Yeah. Now the next article talk, talks about the past and it has some shocking information for me. Uh, if you if you ever hear of R- Rupert Sheldrake, uh, I presume this he's well he's telling the truth that this was a band text talk or TED talk rather. Uh, but he is an interesting guy, and if you just search for his name, you'll find all kinds of interesting stuff. And it turns out that he has uh, been, uh, he's, he's got a lot of people against him just because he questions the past, but he, he has proven that most physics constants are not constants. Well, I suspected that a long time ago, that they're approximations that probably won't change very fast. However, he has found ways over time to get different measures of those constants and prove that they've changed. <laughs> you know, and and they're they're sometimes you know larger than you would think. So mm-hmm. physics constants that they 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 mislabeled them. None of them are really constants because they all deal with physical phenomena and physical phenomena tend to have some changing characteristics. May not be fast, but it's changing, especially if it's dealing with anything solar or, you know, mm-hmm. spatial. Uh, it see, may seem like constants to uh, the first observers, and they wanted to get their name assigned and in the physics books. That was their motivation when it comes right down to it. <laughs> so they wanted to name a constant after themselves. Uh, uh, in some cases, it's not always a way, but it worked. But anyway, this this guy is is really kind of interesting because he doesn't uh, 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 really believe even all the equations and stuff that we have. So he he's, he calls all this stuff scientific dogma. Well, so and, that that's, admit, and, and that's and that's that's where the the whole idea of the constants break. Or that ha, that's where he has the issue then, because the constants are basically there for mathematical purposes more than anything else. Yeah. You know, they're there to yeah. make make the the math work in the world of physics. Right, right. Since that's the supporting structure, but mm-hmm. he 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 had, he's, he poo poos all that stuff. He never uh, he's very open minded in thinking about lots of things. So uh, the the name is Sheldrake. S H E L D R A K E. Yeah, he's got a Wikipedia page that's uh, fairly fairly detailed. <clears throat> yes, that's a good place to go to kind of find out uh, about the fellow. But mm-hmm. I've never heard of him before, and and I 
I find that really uh, it's just it's real science openly still questioning things. And that's the way science is supposed to be. But there are always some people who tend to get really dogmatic about things. That's the way it is because that's what I was taught, <laughs> you know. Mm -hmm. So anyway, uh, I, I just uh, thought that was uh, so unusual that uh, it was really worth listening to. It's, it's entertaining in many ways just yeah. because of things that you don't think about. You know? Yeah. Well, and I mean, if you if you, you look into some of the stuff that he does, he he's he he does a lot of stuff that has to do with like, you know, transcendental meditation and mental telepathy and precognition, and uh, yes, you know, and well, so and so in that sense, he is not taken as a serious um, um, scientist in certain corners because of that. He does have a PhD in biochemistry. So it's not like the guy's a, a bozo, but uh, yeah. but his um, some of his public speaking well, well, on some of these other topics, I think, tend to undermine his authority in certain areas with certain groups. You know, uh, there 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 is the word science, and that means one thing. But there's another thing out there: the scientism that means something different. And what right. it, what the difference is is scientism is applying the uh, principles of of, uh, busy, of, of psychology and philosophy. So it's terms of logic and you can run, run experiments and testing, which is what this guy is really good at. He considers these proofs as philosophical proofs generally. They're, they're totally equivalent to any kind mm -hmm. of philosophical proofs because they depend on the laws of reason. And reason is uh, what we do, you know? And, and uh, there's a lot of people who want to apply, apply science to other areas, and pure science doesn't apply except in a very limited sense. What are the four rules of science? You know, you can set up experiments, you can test, uh, and draw conclusions. And uh, there's, there's not one other one, but I can't. I think that there are those who would argue that, 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 that by definition, science is not a narrow set of things, but that you could apply that to a wide set of things. So Well, it's a term, matter of what do you mean by the terminology, and I try to right. make the distinction by saying science and scientism. Now, somebody else may have another word for that, but uh, I think the, that's a good boundary because philosophy is also uh, a a science in some sense, in that you have weight experiments you can run, measurements you can take, and and conclusions you can draw. Mm -hmm. uh, I forgot the fourth one that distinguishes, <laughs> right? That, that doesn't follow. But anyway, uh, it's a it's a fascinating uh, discussion merely because a guy has has shown to me that you can apply logic to lots of things and learn from it. Uh, he's he's proven things that people don't want to believe, and therefore right. they put him down. You know, and I'm saying proven by by the these same kind of methods that they use for philosophical discussion, and 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 you don't you do right. know that part of philosophy is is there a god, and that's where they they all stumble and and argue and get angry about because they don't think people who don't believe in God. Don't want you making arguments that there is God, but there are rules you can but apply. There are and say, lots of scientists. 
there's lots of scientists who absolutely are are faithful people. And so, you know, sure. that's it's it's I think it's he's, in a sense he's picking a fight with with people that that aren't fighting with him, you know. Also, by the way, on the web page, on the Wikipedia page, it said that mm-hmm. he he says that uh um that uh that that the TED Talk people say that that his accusations are simply not true and that his talk is up on our website. So, oh it is. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, so there again, he's you know, all I'm saying is is he, he it's, it's interesting that he has some interesting takes on things, but don't take his word for it exclusively. Listen to other people's, you know, comments about him as yeah. well. Um and uh okay. you know. But there was okay. some things that yeah, I've just I just happened to I, see that while I was scrolling through it. So, let's see. Well, then this this web talk that I watched on YouTube, they're saying is on a TED Talk site, I guess is what you're telling me. Yeah, TED Talk. Right? Yeah, well, and TED Talk puts all their videos on their own website. They have their own, I don't know, you know if it's powered yeah. by YouTube or whatever. Um, but, yeah. So, um, yeah, there are people who at the TED, the TED Talk or TED staff, I guess, they have scientific advisors. And... Uh, they question whether his list is a fair description of scientific assumptions, and they say there's little evidence from some of Sheldrake's more radical claims, such as his theory of morphic resonance. Uh, the advisors recommended the talk should not be distributed without being framed with a caution, and so they they felt like there should be you know just just some sort of statement at the mm-hmm. front end saying hey just be aware that these are his opinions and not you know not based in the generally accepted scientific uh, uh, com- by the scientific community. Uh, which I, I don't see why he would have an issue with that because I think he knows very much that they're not generally accepted by the scientific community. Um, sure. Matt it was moved... the scientific community. Uh, right. Oh, of course. Yeah, yeah. The, uh, yeah. Well, cha- I mean, obviously, if, if he's not, they're not accepted by it, then they're certainly, you know, they're challenging it. Um, yeah. The it says the video was moved from the TEDx YouTube channel to the TED blog, accompanied by the framing language called for by the advisors. The move and framing prompted accusations of censorship, to which TED responded by saying the accusations were simply not true and that his talk is up on their website. So, so uh, they oh, okay yeah. So they had their own uh, way of, uh, of, of about classifying it, I guess. Right. They just site. they just categorized it by, you know, and, and he said that that's, you know, censorship and 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 they're saying, no, it's not. It's just us, you know, categorizing it on the site like we categorize all our videos. And so anyway, you know, obviously some some uh, <laughs> but it's much it's much uh, more exciting for him to target, you know, to title it banned TED Talk, you know, because banned yeah, that, means, ooh, you want to go watch that because they didn't want you to see it. Right. As opposed to, hey, recategorized TED Talk doesn't doesn't catch right. you quite as well. <laughs> Talk about marketing. Right. Uh, yep, yeah. He's an interesting about. guy, though, isn't he? I, yeah. Well, anyway, I, I enjoyed it because it was new to me. And uh, I didn't know that he never heard of him before or his concepts. And that uh, name that he's given to this stuff is kind of hokey. I I forgot what what he called it, but you mentioned it a minute ago. Oh, yeah, I was Uh, reading it. Resonance. Resonance. Something Uh, resonance, yeah. uh, Yeah, 
Well, that just uh, he he names these things because in general, uh, the there's a whole field of of uh, uh, resonance. Every electronic electromagnetic wave, which is for all radios out there, they're all resonance of some sort. Yeah, morphic resonance is what he calls it. Yeah, yeah. So uh, they're just ways of communicating, and he's studying that, you know, and he's. He's got massive studies going on all the time. In fact, you can't hardly, hardly go to any talk that he has that he's not measuring something and collecting data uh, during his shows even uh, because he, that's the nature. He's trying to find it out information, uh, new information from large groups of people. And so he's an observer. Uh-huh. Uh, and that's probably his prime... Uh, capability is thinking about how to make good experiments that if you do them if you have the proper constraints on them that they will show uh, some kinds of rules or laws that haven't been discovered you know and so he's generated a uh, for his own purposes uh, this name that he's you know yeah yeah, I, I'm That's curious. A, you know, I understand resonance. I had to look up morphic, and the definition wasn't uh, satisfactory. So I don't know. We'll have to see. <laughs> yeah, it's a hokey you know. kind of a word, yeah. I think. But anyway, uh, it's a. You know what? There's people who believe in in you know your body has chakras and energy energy channels that are you know not identified by physical. Uh, sections of the body right they can't you know mm-hmm. dissect you and find your chakra so you know if you can believe what you want to believe and figure it out what whatever works for you to get through the day you know that's my feeling you know as long <laughs> as long as is you're not doing something or 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 spreading uh 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 ideas or thoughts that will then hurt people like you know it's okay for you to eat tide pods or or uh you know hate people who disagree with you so go shoot them that kind of thing uh yeah. you know, th- that Very kind of stuff. that kind of speech is dangerous and and should be should be uh shut down but uh otherwise hey go for it if you want to believe in morphic yeah. resonance go for it you want to believe in in chakras go well, for it you that's wanna... the thing about this is that i i don't believe at least based on what i've read thus far that this guy is out there doing any real damage to the world yeah, I thought, I thought that he's kind of exposing some things that needed to be exposed. Yeah, you know, and so that was why I was kind of excited. I think I spent the better part of one or two days on the mm-hmm. reading some of his stuff and watching videos and whatever. Yeah, to learn about what he's doing uh, because it, there's there's more than just him. I, I I think there's about three or four people that I have looked at that do un, unusual studies, let's put it that way, that other people don't do. You know, it's not, they're difficult to classify as to what they what they do. Right. And that's why he, he creates a name and somebody else has got a, another name that means something different because they're not quite framing it the same way, you know? Yeah. So anyway, uh, it's, uh, I, I just found it pretty, uh, Pretty interesting and uh-huh. pretty exciting for a yeah. while, you know. It says that uh, Deepak Chopra is one of his uh, supporters. So. Sure. 
you know. Well, sounds- I would say most free thinkers. They don't, that's what it really amounts to. Mm-hmm. He's kind of on the attack and the people who who uh, like to see the, the, the world is, is all explained by science, for example, or it's all explained by religion, or it's all explained by whatever. Well, there's lots of different ways to look at things, too, you know? And, uh, and he's got probably a somewhat unique approach. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it doesn't anyway. help. It doesn't help, though, either. I'm reading about something here that um, apparently happened. A gentleman named Alan Sokol uh, submitted a uh, uh, to a journal, Social Text, a an article published, and they referenced some of Sheldrake's work and even created stuff that Sheldrake had not said that he made up completely, and it got published in the ma- in the in the journal. And then they had to then re- retract it afterwards when he when he turned out the whole thing was a hoax. Um, he he in the paper he talked about morpho morphogenetic fields constituted cutting edge theory of quantum gravity, uh, and that was completely an invention that that Sheldrake doesn't even make that such claims. But it doesn't help Sheldrake's case that people you know associate his name with hoaxes and things like that. So you know that 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 hurts too. <laughs> But this guy. Well, people have been doing that forever, you know. Yeah, but you know what I mean is like it's it, you know when they yeah. associate your name with something sure. that is clearly a hoax and, and made up, then that that sure. you know then casts doubt on things that you're doing, especially if you're doing things that are sort of on the edge of 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 what is generally accepted yeah. in the first place, you know. It sounds like politics to me. Yeah, well, you know, everything <laughs> that, at some level is on. right. It, I mean, politics is just human interaction on a different level, right? So yeah, it's it's how to make the other guy look bad that that, that you're trying to compete with, right? Yeah, <laughs> it goes yeah. on daily. Yeah, I guess it says Sokol is an American professor of mathematics at at uh, University College of London, and Professor Emeritus mm-hmm. Physics. And, this guy is British, by the way, I think. Right, he is, yeah. And this guy was in London. But uh, it doesn't... Yeah, he says he presented the paper as if it represented its real scientific re- research. But uh, oh. he later later said that he suggested in the hoax paper. Yeah, I, it, uh, so it was a hoax. I mean, he so he did it intentionally. I, I, I don't know. I don't... I'm real interested to understand why he would publish a, a hoax paper he seems like a legitimate you know professor at a college why would he do that yeah yeah it makes you wonder let's see hmm. it was a demonstrative scholarly hoax performed by okay so so basically he was just saying it was done intentionally and it was done with to 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 show that that even the uh, people reviewing scientific journals and stuff can fall for stuff, you know. It, so he, he was kind of making the point that that you know, that you shouldn't be taking science quite so so uh, literally all the time, and everything gets published in these journals because they can be, you know, bluffed as well as anybody else. Which is interesting because yeah. it almost ties back to the to the uh, malware thing we were talking about is that people can be bluffed, you know, uh, uh, the yeah. things that we believe and the things that we do every day um, are largely, you know, habits and, and, and based on the norms of how we exist. And when somebody throws a curveball into those norms, very often we don't see it as a curveball. We just keep on trucking and, and, you know, well, don't realize that it wasn't, 
there was, you know, it was based on nothing more than some guy's, you know, whims. You're, you're absolutely right. And I think this is attributable to the fact that we all have unique, and I really mean this, unique points of view. And it's all our, all our points of view have been uh, formed by what our past was, our past mm-hmm. reading and understanding and training. Sure. So uh, that's, that's what makes it unique because we don't all have the same interests. And so we read different things. And you, if you, if all you've ever read was a one-sided thing over here in this collection of viewpoints that can be had, which are almost an infinite number, you know, reality, mm-hmm. uh, uh, you've picked just one way to look at things. And if if everybody doesn't look at it your way, oh man, this world's horrible. You know, they don't yeah. know what's going on. Well, so try to change your viewpoint. Try to look at something in another way. It's what that message really is, and and before you get too critical of the next guy, because yeah. we we it's just almost impossible for everybody to see things uh, the same way. Although there's lots, there could be a majority of people on some particular topic view things, obviously, but uh, there's there's always ways that you have to understand that the writer or the author of something. Well, uh, the way they saw the world, and if you don't see the world the same way, you're not going to communicate with with what they're saying. Yeah, well, in uh, fact, just in reading on the, this host, this this so-called uh, affair, this thing that the, the, this article that he published, the submission was an experiment to test the journal's intellectual rigor, specifically to investigate whether a leading North American journal of cultural studies, whose editorial collective includes many luminaries, would publish an article liberally salted with nonsense if a it sounded good and b it flattered the editor's ideological preconceptions. <laughs> that's very well stated. And that's exactly oh, what like they that. did. They published it. And he and, and I think you're pointing out or getting around to another word of, another way of saying it flatters the your ideological preconceptions. We all tend sure. to buy into things if it flatters our ideological preconcept, preconceptions. You know? Yep. Um it's it's yeah, there's more but and more I mean people... Go ahead. But the... I was going to say, but then there are some people, and I include myself in this, who intentionally want to be challenged sometimes. Sure. And so I will read something because the title says, well, gee, I don't know anything about this, or it sounds intriguing. Right. You know? Yeah. Uh, and so that's how, that's how I got into this in the first place. Right. Uh, well, there's so many people. I think that's part of the issue that we have with, um, with you know, we, we've talked about the— um, We've gotten way off of tech here, but the um, uh, issues that we have in our country with the divide in the political spectrum right now, and that's because people line up behind their ideological preconceptions, and they, they, it's hard to break somebody of their preconceptions, to smack them out of that, that tunnel vision of, here's how I view the world, and, and it's really hard for them to see how somebody else might view the world differently. And and, oh, and likewise from the other side. I mean, both sides can't see how the other side sees things, and it's and and there are very few people who challenge their own ideological preconceptions. It's a difficult thing to do, and there are not and, mm-hmm. and it's an uncomfortable thing to do because it it puts you in a state of limbo where you don't you can't say I absolutely believe in this, you know. And there's a lot of people who just don't feel comfortable 
when they're in a situation like that. They want to say, this is what I believe in. You know, I believe in this. I believe I don't believe in that. I, you know, and and if you're in a state where you're sort of like, well, I kind of believe sort of about this and maybe not that. And that's really uncomfortable for a lot of people, you know. Yeah. yeah. And so yeah. And, there's a very small minority of people who do that. Well, it's it's uh, people that get, uh, uh, let's say, narrow minded. That's what really characterizes mm-hmm. the problem in one way or another. Uh, if, if you if you don't want to listen to anybody else and communication totally breaks down, then you then you're really in limbo because you have no way of ever digging out. Right. You have to open up somehow if you ever want to learn more. Right. And so that's why I say I am a, of a, the group of people who always wants to dig into something new. Mm-hmm. You know, <laughs> I mean, that's that's why technology uh, is is one of the things that uh, mm-hmm. has always fascinated me, because that was that's part of my excitement of living is seeing what what we can do next. You know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. How's it going to in change? Fact, I, in fact, lately I've I've found it interesting to go back in history and, and read historical stuff and just see how, uh, like uh, there was some segments on Roman culture mm-hmm. and Roman. Features in archaeologists have discovered that we really wasn't aware of. Like yesterday, I watched a video uh, of uh, in Rome itself of one of the, of the one of the Caesars uh, had built this uh, rotating room, 15 meters in diameter, on top of his palace. And in 12 hours, or t- no, maybe it was less than that. The dining time, two hours or something. It's like the place uh, that we now have in several cities on top of big skyscrapers. So you can see all around in, in the time it takes you to eat, maybe a couple hours. You know, it'll completely rotate. So it's moving so slow that you know you wouldn't, you don't even feel it. It mm-hmm. is the scenery moves by so gradually, and they've even modeled how they built the whole mechanism of timing and gearing it down it was driven by a water wheel and it, it rotated the room and, and under the, the floor of the wooden floor in this room there were little balls that served as roller bearings on mm-hmm. the cement because cement was the major uh, technology in Roman times that's what they built everything with cement once they got figured that out and how mm-hmm. to really make it and by the way their formula for cement varies none Compared to the way we make it today, it's the same cement, you know. Uh, yeah, is it is it cement or cement? Well, c- <laughs> <laughs> yeah. well that, that, it can vary in what you call it, you know. <laughs> yeah, and, and I, I joke because it depends on where you live. Is it a bucket or a pail? Is it soda or is it pop? You know, yeah. <laughs> it's like depends on where you live. <laughs> yeah, but but anyway, I just thought it was fascinating in, in these archaeological studies. They've found. Uh, that kind of technology that existed that, that nobody had ever told me about before, you know? Yeah. Back in, in 2,000 years ago. Yeah. So, yeah, anyway. that's that's why I, it, it's the History Channel, unfortunately, is littered with a bunch of, like, uh, what I call garbage shows. You know, it's like um, uh, 
I don't know. I but but I really like it when they actually do history shows. You know, like the 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 science of Rome or the science of the Greeks and that kind of stuff. It's very cool to well, go and and learn about you know a little bit about how people lived at that time and what were the new technologies, right? Because again, I like you like to understand yeah. you know the, what's new and how that changes people's lives. You know, and the ability to to have cement in in Roman times meant they could build aqueducts. And, and and arches, the, the concept of building an arch so that you could build a bridge without having to make it a, a solid thing so you could walk underneath it. Yeah. Um, and they could run aqueducts for long periods of time or long ways so you could have running water. You know, in in yeah. if not in your in your in your uh, home, at least in your city, so that you didn't have to then go walk to the nearest river to get water every day. Um, you know, and, and to carry and waste away. They, yeah, they even. They even archaeologists even oh, yeah. found Caesar's uh, toilet. And, yeah, yeah, and the they hole had, in the toilet was right, about they, four inches wide. Yeah, they used water to take the waste away, and you know, and so in some ways, they yeah. were living better in Roman times than than we were living. You know, when when people had outhouses here in the, in the in the U.S. You know, hundreds hundreds of years later. Um, oh, and it, by the way, Rome was the largest city in the, the world at the time of the big. Roman emperors, and I don't know if that, that was 21 or year 10 or 20, no, no, I don't remember, 100, maybe century, uh, first century or something. But anyway, they uh, they were the largest city in the world, and they had uh, early apartments. They said they, they built them up to seven stories high, uh-huh. but the, the, the luxury apartment was the one on the ground floor, and that was because... They, that's where they had the water, right? And, and you didn't have to climb steps to get into your house, and so there were all the advantages were for the guy on the first floor. But the city had gotten so big they couldn't build anymore for people coming in, uh, so that's why they had to start going up. Yeah. And so they they, they built thousands of these places, these apart seven level apartments for people. Yeah. And just. Really fascinating, and all of the one shows that I were watching were fundamentally based on archaeology. So they uh-huh. talked about the initial findings and how they concluded the, the things that that they told, were talk, talking about. You know the stories, mm-hmm. and so I found it really, really nice. I, I love it because it's definitely science based. I mean, archaeology. Right. Is evidence, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's just you know uncovering the evidence of of previous uh, societies and how they lived and and what you know. I, and there, it's cool because you know a lot of the the buildings have been preserved. You know, even despite several world wars happening in Europe, there's still you know buildings yeah. in Rome that have been there for a thousand years. So um, you know, yeah. and 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 all over Europe. I mean, it's not just Rome, but it's. Um, well, Probably the best the focus of most archaeology today is in the uh, in Israel. Right. They are doing archaeology everywhere. Yeah. And it's been amazing. Yeah. Yeah. No, they're so, regularly I, finding new things there that it, that are they're you know just really exciting, you know, and yeah, especially in a really place are. that has major implications for three of the major uh, faiths on the planet. You know. Um, right. It's it's well. You know, so, so, they know that in the end, this means more uh, 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 tourist dollars for the country, you know? Right. Yeah. Yeah. So their whole purpose of, of exposing archaeological places is setting it up so that people can actually come and see it and walk mm-hmm. on those steps. And uh, the big one right now is the Salome Pool. Shalom. Shalom. 
I think it's called. I don't know how you pronounce it, but anyway, that's this uh-huh. uh, pool that's down the hill in what they call the City of David. It's not in the walled city of Jerusalem. It's south of there. But uh, they they discovered the road or walk path all the way from the bottom of that mountain in the city of David up to the temple. Yeah. And so, and they the archaeologist was did an interview program on how that's going and. Yes, the Siloam Pool is S-I-L-O-A-M is how you uh, spell it. That's it, it. Siloam. Siloam Pool. Yeah, and and until recently, Mm -hmm. private property kept that archaeology at bay, but it became whoever owned the property gave it to the state, and so now they're complete, you know, do a lot lot more work. So I found that interesting as well. So having visited Jerusalem, but not knowing anything about this archaeology at the time, I'd just like to go back and do a trip, you know. Yeah. Salome means scent, means scent. And uh, according to several rabbinic uh, traditions, it's identified the pool of Salome as the Messiah's pool where Jesus uh, healed the blind man. That's where the water came from. It's from that, that, uh, that, um, and they say pool. It's basically, it's a spring uh, that's there. Well, it's felt. No, it's it's actually fed by well, this, a spring. Uh, well, that's why I said it's hill. a spring. It's it's a it's a fed by a spring. I mean, yeah, yeah. But anyway, but, it, yeah, it, yeah, like you said, it's it's just really interesting that they're doing this, and and you know that there's people out there who are digging and uncovering our history and getting it better. You know, I wonder in a thousand years how much they'll have to dig because we're documenting so much now. You know. Like, is archaeology a destined to to be a dead science at some point, or are we always, or is archaeology always going to deal with stuff that was around, uh, you know, in the, in the time between you know uh, BC and and the first you know few hundred years of of AD, uh, as far as uh, you know the to work in? Because at a certain point, we started writing and documenting everything. And and then yeah. you know digitizing everything, and so at some point archaeology is going to be a database search, you know. I mean, yeah. in a thousand yeah. years to investigate what's happening in the two thousand early two thousands, all you have to do is sit or down more. and you know go clickety click or or talk to your computer and your AI will go do the search for you, right? Yeah, or more or more focus on the artifacts. For example, one side thing uh-huh. that I got diverted. Uh, yes. was coinage back in those days. Uh-huh. How it started out, there were about 90% pure gold or silver. Right. You know? And then somebody diluted it. So if you're a coin collector, you're very much aware that the date makes mm-hmm. a difference mostly because it tells you how much, uh, yeah. what percentage of, of what yeah. pure metal you've got. 1964 yeah. and older quarters are 90% silver. After that, there's yeah. there's trace amounts of silver in them. So if you've got yep. a 94 or a uh, 64 and older quarters are worth, uh, at least on today's market, about 55 cents. <laughs> and I used to have lead pennies, and lead pennies came out because during World War II, all the copper was needed for other things. Were they lead? You know I don't that? think they were lead. That's too soft. I think they were nickel or something like that. Well, they, they called them lead, but they yeah. didn't have copper in them. Right. They didn't have copper. You know, they, they were silver they pennies. Yeah. I think they were just steel. Of some well, sort. They, yeah. They, they, uh, I think they, they had some lead in them quite a bit. 
lead is is soft, but so is copper. You know, but it has yeah, well, lead's a lot softer than copper. Yeah. Nineteen forty-three uh, steel pennies. Steel, okay. Yeah. Iron. Yep. But but anyway, uh, just uh, another whole interesting field with you know what history you get out of coins and stuff uh, or medallions that were struck at different eras. Right. So apparently, a nineteen forty-four steel penny is worth about eighty-five to one hundred and ten thousand dollars, depending on condition, because they made them in nineteen forty-three, and then they said stop, but they minted apparently between twenty and forty nineteen forty-four pennies in steel, and twelve are known to exist today. Hmm. Well, get your metal or metal detectors and go out on the beach and. Yeah. That's what coin collectors do. You wander around the country until you yeah. find old coins. Yeah, uh, so. There's still most of them out there somewhere. Yeah. People don't, you know, don't intentionally just throw money away, even if it's yeah. a penny. Yeah. Well, if the, you see it, you'll pick it up. Usually. Usually. <clears throat> yeah. So apparently there was a whole bunch of them minted in 43, and so they're pretty common. But the uh, but there were just a couple made in '44 before they shut. They quit making, and went back to copper, or at least a copper alloy. Let's face it, they haven't been real copper in a long time. Right. Yeah. So, and in yeah. fact, just a few years ago, they quit making them out. They they even made it less <laughs> copper in them because they found that they cost more to make them than a penny. <laughs> it's like when yeah. when your when your penny costs more to make than a penny, you gotta cut some corners. Well, it's been rumored for some time that they're going to stop making anything less than a quarter. Yeah. You know, I mean, yeah. who cares about the rest of the stuff, you know? You throw it in your pocket and throw it in the change box when you get home. Yeah, yeah. How many people have buckets of pennies out. at home that you need to, <laughs> to wrap and get to yeah. the bank? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and the banks don't do that for you anymore, you know? Um, right. I remember saving up a bunch of quarters to go to Las Vegas a few years back. I was going to Las Vegas for my bowling league finals, and uh, I got there, and they said, we can't take those. It's like, well, don't you have the machine that just counts? They said, no, we don't have those anymore. <laughs> yeah. You know? Yeah. You, you put in, Yeah. Yeah. You, you, they, you put in bills, and then they uh, give you a ticket, you know, which is the way they've been doing it for a decade or more now, but, uh, you know, they don't deal with coins and cash anymore. It's like. Yep. Yeah. Yep, yep, yep. Yeah, now they hear the re- you hear the recorded sound of coins clanking into the pan when you win. <laughs> Which I thought was ironic. You know, that's the sound of winning is the sound of money hitting the the pan and uh yeah. and but well, we don't use money just, anymore, so we just recorded it. That's right. Just put it on a ROM and play it back. Yeah. <laughs> Here's how it used to sound, folks. <laughs> yep. Clank, clank, clank. At some point, somebody's going to, I'm sure it's already happened. There are probably younger people coming in there who, who are old enough to gamble now that go, why Why do they make that sound? What is why, What is the purpose of that clankety, clank, clank? <laughs> you know, I don't understand. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, uh, in this week's research, let's kind of get back to something that I think is an exciting, it called the breakthrough here. Yeah. It has to do with Solar panels, but unique solar panels because they produce hydrogen. Hydrogen, it says cheap. Uh, cheap is not real yet. Yeah. That point. 
Aha. Uh, uh -huh. So it's another one they, of those, they, like, they, we've got some technology. We haven't figured out how to make it in, in, in mass quantities yet. Well. Or we have if, an idea if, and we don't know if the technology really works yet. How, how, how vague are if, we on this? If you, here, here's the key to this. It's a modification. You can actually take, if you have solar panels on your home already, you can put the components for the hydrogen thing beside it or under or wherever, but in the vicinity of the panel and and still make it help uh, generate hydrogen. But if you get everybody that has roof panels or for solar purposes also gets this hydrogen adapter, then we'll have lots of little sources of inexpensive uh, 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 hydrogen of course, it collected initially in gaseous form, then it needs to be compressed later. Right. So this isn't a complete solution. Yeah. At gaseous that, at form that goes boom very easy. <laughs> yeah. So you might have people being con somewhat concerned about that, but uh, uh, but it, they're confident that it, it's so effective that it it's some, it's the right thing to do, and that it'll take over for just solar panels. There'll be hydrogen solar panels. Because there is going to uh, be a lot of demand for energy in that will never be met by electricity, no matter what you do. Right. And they have to do with, huh? And they have to do with things that are mobile and uh, are not weighed down by batteries, because batteries will always weigh uh, something heavily. Uh -huh. Now, hydrogen's not light either, but uh, yeah. Well, it, the hydrogen—that's that's exactly stuff. opposite. Hydrogen is incredibly light, but the the uh, equipment required to contain it is not light. <laughs> right. Right. Uh, but it's it's lighter than the than the uh, yeah. batteries generally. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, uh, the thing that has always held the uh, development of hydrogen cars and other things back was where are you going to get the hydrogen? California is the only state that has hydrogen cars right now, and probably the only one that will, uh, unless we get more uh, efficient ways to actually make the hydrogen. Mm -hmm. the hydrogen production processes up till now right. uh, were expensive processes. So that's what they mean by cheap right. in comparison to today's manner of Producing, producing hydrogen. hydrogen, yeah. I will tell you that I see the Toyota Mirai, which is their hydrogen fuel cell vehicle, uh, driving around on the streets of Southern California. I see those uh, probably at least once a week. They're fairly common yeah. here. And I also know that there are some postal delivery trucks that run on hydrogen in the area. Mm -hmm. so, yeah. so we've got a, a, a fair amount of hydrogen-powered vehicles running around. And I haven't so, heard of any giant anyway, explosions involving hydrogen. So, yeah. So. Anyway, this uh, article uh, to me is a really a breakthrough. If uh, if they, you know, can convince, get the marketing and all that stuff going for it, because right. uh, it's been proven already. I think it was in Belgium. It's not an American uh, thing uh -huh. going on. But uh, just a minute, I. Good. Something's going to make noise here, but I'll turn it off. Uh, anyway, uh, it says a startup, the Solhide Project, hydrogen solar panel. Uh, 
Well, I thought I could quickly read some, but it's not here in print. It's all audio and visual. So I, anyway, I'm not. I can't go go replay that now. But anyway, uh, they have built these things, and uh, they're real, but they're still laboratory. And it's now a matter of taking that technology and producing it, and and getting it on market. And because of the potential uh, that it has for uh, industrial use. Specifically, is probably the biggest user, but also for large vehicles, trucks, trains, ships, uh, more likely to be hydrogen users than solar users in the future. You know, uh -huh. the things that are mobile and propelled that you would be, you don't want to do it with electric. Uh huh. You know, you're not going to yeah. carry no, I think I think ships. I think you're absolutely right. There are things that are that are better suited. Than electricity for certain things, you know. Um, so I know that you know. There's a reason that most houses, even though they've got, they may have electric stuff, they still have uh, natural gas coming to them for like water heaters because generating heat is, you know, usually. I mean, creating electricity. One of the byproducts is generating heat, but once you've got the electricity, then turning it back into heat is not particularly efficient, you know. Yeah. You know, but burning yeah, something clean like hydrogen. So I just sent you a link to uh, a Wikipedia page on solar hydrogen well, the panels. The other thing about the hydrogen, uh, you did the. Mm -hmm. So, didn't mean to throw your okay. thought off there. Sorry about that. I just thought I would share that. Uh, uh, but it kind of talks yeah. about the science behind how they are, uh, uh, you know, getting hydrogen through the process. Yeah. But anyway, uh, I've, I'm always looking at what are new ways to uh, either store energy or to create energy. And uh, uh, it looked like, because of the interest in especially electric vehicles, that uh, electricity had the edge. And being an electrical engineer, I said, hey, that's cool. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, I've, I've always saw that uh, hydrogen if you can produce enough of it and do it efficiently, uh, has really got some good characteristics. And I think that there's been, uh, in this case, at least an indication, it's in Belgium. That's where this place is. Surface right. chemistry and cat catalysts in yeah. Leuven, Belgium, made this panel. So Living. anyway, I hope it works out. And I'll be looking for future articles to see if somebody's got it in production and all of that. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think yeah. it's a cool idea, you know. And they're talking about storage. They're basically taking the hydrogen, converting it into methane, um, uh, which is a viable substitute for natural gas. So you could run, you know, that in your home. In yeah. fact, there are people who use, like, propane uh, homes already. You have to do a little bit of a conversion on, your, um, on like, your stove and your water heater. But, uh, but it's pretty inexpensive to switch those over, and then you can run directly off of off of, uh, you know, a methane or, or propane type of system. Yep. So, uh, anyway, add this to the, to the book of, uh, of the potential future, uh, yeah. mass use. Right. Uh, technologies. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's funny cause I, I'm, not a huge fan of of government intervention in a lot of things, but 
and we'll see how it p- plays out in the long run. But, you know, California did pass a law, and I'm not sure if it's gone into effect or when it goes into effect, but all new houses have to have solar built into them. Um, and as long as they set up the law so that I can store that energy and keep it myself uh, uh, or the house is set up that way, you know, so that I'm charging my own batteries so I have a way of, of using the power overnight. Uh, or yeah. or if they're building a group of homes, maybe create a stored group of uh, a stored group battery of some sort. You know, we've talked about different types of battery technologies, whether they be sand or whatever, uh, for mm-hmm. energy storage. Um, I think that's a, a a great thing, and I and I think that's a, a situation where you know a that should maybe be a requirement for building a community or building homes is is to say, hey, they have to be self sustaining, right? They, they they don't should be able to work off the grid, you know, or feed yeah. back into the grid, yeah. um, you know. I think that's a, I, I, if, if I were building well, a new home today I, from the ground up, that's one of the things I'd be looking for is like, how do I make this home completely detached from the grid, you know, it, unless I choose to attach it? Yeah. Well, I don't think you want to necessarily put the burden on the new home buyer. Uh, that, that's got to be a careful balance because the majority of people are going to be in the new home market. That's a small percentage of housing compared to the existing housing. So you, if you can convert existing housing uh, to, to provide some kind of... Uh, yeah, but I think uh, you start by saying, don't build any more that don't fit this standard, you know? And then oh. you go, and then you say, okay, now... I mean, because we have standards yeah, for home building sure. already. No, but I'm just saying, just what you just said there, that don't meet this standard. Well, that might just cut the whole home, new home production down to where... We're now people live more living on the streets because we don't have housing for everybody. You know, we've got that's, that's not that's what you want to avoid. Yeah, well, and so we've we're we've also. I mean, I'm living in a state where people are already leaving the state, so so new home building is you know, I I don't know well, what the you know are they building at their at beyond their are they still building new homes at the at a faster pace than replacement of older homes no longer being used, you know. But well, I think I think that yeah. that a large part of of the homeless issue is not that we don't have enough homes for them. It's that they're that our our systems are set up such that those people either don't or can't afford to live in those homes. Okay, can't afford. That's just exactly what I said. Right, but the difference between a hundred thousand dollar and a hundred and fifty thousand dollar home is not going. And I and I'm making up numbers here because in California there is no such thing as a hundred thousand dollar home anymore. At least not anywhere near any of the cities. Um, you know, is not going to be the difference between somebody living in it and not living in it. Yeah. Well, I don't know what the added cost you know. to putting a solar panel system is as a percentage of a new home, but it should be solar hydrogen, uh, preferably yeah. even. Well, if solar uh, hydrogen exists as an actual product, I mean, so far the only company that seems to be doing it is this Leuven company in in Belgium. So right, it's not a real yeah. product. Yet. Right, but it, ultimately, yeah, they should probably try to use the, the the best technology available at any given point in time. But I, I guess well, all I'm saying is is requiring solar panels. I don't see that as being significantly different from requiring that it meets certain standards to be earthquake, you know. Uh, safe and it and or tornado safe or hurricane safe in 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 my you know if you live in the Florida you know I mean there a lot of houses are built with you know even if if they look like they're wood on the outside they're like reinforced um, cinder block and concrete walls on the you know internally because they've got to be able to withstand you know 
hundred mile an hour winds hurling chunks of wood at you. So, um, you know, I think I, 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 I see that as one more way of saying, hey, we've got a, a power problem that, you know, here in the summer we have people on 115 degree days, you know, having their power shut off because the grid can't handle it. And so uh, saying that you're going to require some houses to be able to sustain themselves without the grid is not a bad thing. Yeah. You know, I, I think that's something that we should... Uh, in a perfect world, I think we should have built uh, our homes in a you know with power in a non centralized fashion to begin with, if we could have you know yeah. the idea that we have these centralized power plants that ship the power out to houses, and, and that there's few of them. Well, I think is a bad you know, idea in general. <laughs> what's interesting, Todd, is back in the 1950s, by uh, uh, well 40s even. Mm -hmm. My family moved into a house that was pretty much that way. We yeah. had six-volt electric systems, batteries in the basement and the uh -huh. char that were charged by these windmills on the roof, on the ceiling. Yeah. Uh, we had we had runoff rain that went into through a filter system into a, uh, a uh, cistern, uh, so we had our water there. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it was, we've been there and we've run away from it. And I think that was a mistake. <laughs> and I think you're absolutely right. And that's the point I'm making, you know. I mean, there's still houses in Hawaii that are built with, with uh, you know, with rain collection systems because they get rain every day. You know, I say, you know, it, yeah. understand the environment you're building in and take advantage of it. You know, yeah. I live in a place where it's sunny, like 310 days out of the year. You know, or more. Um, you know, we should have a lot of solar here. You know, in places yeah. that it's windy, Chicago should have lots and lots of 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 wind generators going all the time. You know. Yep. Um, yep. So. Yeah, I think that's actually a good topic for some time is to try to see if we can find like you know examples of people who are taking advantage of the location that they're building in to build homes that are are. Um, using the the uh, geography and the weather the the typical weather patterns of their area in order to to make their home um, you know less reliant on centralized stuff. So mm -hmm. I think that's because I think I personally think that should be a goal. But uh, why don't we wrap her up today? We've been going for an hour and twenty minutes. Uh, let me mention one more thing. Oh, okay. And that, and that is the Apple's new phone warning about potential health risk. Uh, and that's for people who have uh, heart uh, monitors and stuff. And it says mm -hmm. you ought to keep this phone more than six inches from that device. Uh, and, because uh, of the um, big uh, magnet on the back of it? Well, uh, I'm trying to find the actual words here now yeah uh, people with pacemakers that uh magnets and electromagnetic fields so this isn't just yeah. apple devices this is any device or any magnet which i think yeah. people with pacemakers probably know you know yeah. that's something you know in fact there used to be and i don't see it anymore but there used to be signs on a lot of places saying microwaves in use here and they would tell people with pacemakers that you know, be careful or maybe don't come in into this, this fast food store because we use microwaves because they make electromagnetic magnetic fields, which then made the rest of us think, how safe is it for me? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Okay. Uh, I think this means iPhone 12 devices and newer. Right? right. Because they have the magnet on the back of them. 
But then, yeah. it, but then if you scroll down, it says, what other devices should I keep at a distance? Well, they talk about AirPods and AirPod cases, the Apple Watch and its accessories, the HomePod, the iPad and its accessories, um, you know, any MagSafe accessories, uh, any headphones or, or Macs, anything that has a magnet in it um, or, or creates any kind of electromagnetic field. So anything with a radio in it. Um, and again... They're saying this, and this is a Fox News thing, and it's talking about Apple's crucial new iPhone warning. Well, I haven't read anything else from anybody else that says that Apple has posted a huge, terrible warning about this. If they did, it was probably a CYA type of, of memo put out from their lawyers. But quite frankly, this, you know, because they're saying any magnetic or components that and radios that emit electromagnetic hey. fields, that means... Well, they got it. That means walkie-talkies. It means Samsung phones. It means uh, any any PCs. You know, I mean, it's uh, it, you know, if you've got Wi-Fi in your house, you're you're putting out, um, you know. So, this, I think. Go ahead. The, the, I think this is uh, crazy because uh, the uh, devices themselves that you put into somebody's chest needs its own uh, frequency band that's limited to. Devices that do not, uh, that aren't everywhere. Yeah, the vast majority of these yeah. things do not interfere. Well, it depends on the strength of the signal. Right, as, and as that well. has a lot to do with proximity. But, also, but, but, but most of that stuff doesn't interfere because of the fact that they're, they're not in the frequency spectrum. Right. And so they didn't talk about that at all. The real issue is the technical one of allocating frequencies. Right. Well, and they're saying and keep it six inches. Government. Well, six inches away from your chest. I think they're talking about like magnets. You know, if you get more than six oh, inches the away, the magnets aren't going to cause you problems. But that, but that was the first part of the article. That's right. That's not the one. Radios. Yeah, but then radios they also threw in radios, which then includes. You know, they're talking Apple products, but Apple's not the only pro a company that makes things with radios in them. You know. Right. And so, but again. You know, they're, because, they're, because they found one thing that appeared with, they wanted to make a bigger article, I guess. Right. But because it's, it really made it big by listing all these things. Right. <laughs> but they list basically every product that Apple makes, and they don't bother listing any products that anybody else makes that puts out radio signals. You know? Yeah. And, well, and Apple is they, by far and away not the major manufacturer between... of things that make radio signals. The, the article's really about magnets. I don't know why they threw in radios right. and emit like electromagnetic yeah. fields unless they've got evidence that shows yeah. it, and they don't. I think what they're, basically, what they're basically trying to say is if you have a pacemaker and you lay down on your couch to take a nap, don't lay your iPhone on your chest. <laughs> you know? <Right. laughs> and I, and yeah, I think iPhone, that— I could see that's got a pretty significant magnet in it. Yeah. But, well, uh, and I think I that most people with a pacemaker probably know that. They probably get a lecture from their doctor saying, don't put a magnet on your chest or don't put anything magnetic near this because it could cause problems with the device. But I think that a lot of people don't necessarily think about the fact that their phone has a big magnet in the back of it. Yeah. Well, the uh, the wristwatch clearly does. But yeah. I can't think of some of these other things that, that really... Uh, yeah. Really are issues. Yeah. I mean, they're talking about iPads. Well, iPads have some magnets around the. Hey, yeah. Beat studio buttons. No, none of those ear thing devices. Oh, well, they've got a little magnet that. so that it clicks into its case. So there's a little magnet in there. It's probably not a very strong one, you know. And the iPads all have magnets so that the covers and cases snap onto them. 
So again, I guess if you have a pacemaker, don't hold these things up to your chest. Is the is the really? I don't know. It's okay. again, it's another one of those articles that seems you know to make something more of an issue than it really is there. Other than you know, if you have a pacemaker, don't you, put a magnet near your near your pacemaker. Okay, what they've done is they've said any any magnet at all that's detectable, and they're detectable because you. They want them to be. <laughs> yeah. In all cases, uh, yeah. that's not fair. They got to talk about strengths. Yeah. Strengths. Exactly. Well, and and here's the one that I thought was funny: the Apple Pro Display XDR. Like I'm gonna hug yeah. the display up next to my chest. This is a 30 inch <laughs> computer monitor. Yeah. Like really? That's and how many magnets are in that? <laughs> you know, <laughs> I'm sure it creates a magnetic all... field when you plug it in. Uh, yeah. You know, as as does yeah, do the, all electronic devices. Okay, so let's let's see what we can uh, discern from this. This is a Fox News the cyber guy on Fox News, Kirk Knutson, is non credible, folks. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I <laughs> think I think Kirk Knutson uh, generalized needed needed to get an article published because he had to justify his existence to his editor, and so he did this. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's yeah. shameful. Yeah, you know, and it's fine. I mean, if you want to say a warning about, hey, if you have a pacemaker, don't put magnets next to it, fine. If the story had been written about like, hey, you know, there's a concern about people like, like I said, laying down and taking a nap and setting their phone on their chest. I've done that, you know, but I don't have a pacemaker. Yeah, if, you're take, if you're taking a nap, my arm with my my Apple Watch on it might just land right on top of my exactly, chest. and I have and a mag. I have the, the the magnetic um, uh, the leather uh, wristband. The magnetic let le- le- you know. So the whole wristband is magnetic. So oh wow, are you in trouble? Yeah, good thing I don't have Man. a pacemaker. Although remember, there's that whole theme, uh, the the theory of people who believe that you know having magnets on your body helps you create more energy and be more healthy. You know, they were selling magnetic um, uh, mattress covers and magnetic, you know, bands on your wrist and all kinds of stuff uh, a few years back. I think your, yeah. one of your brothers was doing that for a while. Um, so, That's right. You know, believing in yeah. the, the, the magic of magnets. Um, right, the ma- magic magnet. Yeah. You can't see it, so you can be scared of it. Yeah, or believe that it right. has magical powers That's of true. healing, That's you know. True. And, uh, you know, because there's iron in your blood, the magnet must affect you somehow, right? Absolutely. Yeah. It'll make it, it'll make it stop. It'll yeah, it's all, all my blood's clumping up on my <laughs> wrist underneath my watch. So, or on my thigh where I keep my phone in my pocket. So. I guess we've had enough fun at Fox's expense. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Uh, well. You know. They can publish what they want. Uh, Absolutely. I wonder, wonder what Apple would think about doing with a, they see this. And they yeah. will. I want, yeah, I'm they sure know. they've seen it. The question is, is do they, you know, well, first of all, I'm sure Kurt Knudsen uh, doesn't get invited to any Apple events. <laughs> yeah, that's for sure. Yeah, I, I would bet that um, uh, right off the bat. Um, but uh, I, I suspect that they would look at that and say, you know, is it worth us going back and sticking a lawyer on them to say, hey, this is baloney? And they would say, eh, it's not worth our time. Nobody's going to pay attention to this anyway. 
you know, if yeah. it if it continues to be a thing where they feel like they're being attacked, and 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 that it it might affect their um, their sales with with uh, Fox viewers, then they would probably come back and say, okay, look, we now need to start responding to this. But I think initially they would probably just go, eh, we're not going to say anything. You know, maybe send them a letter, a cease and desist letter or something like that. So that, that way they have evidence that they responded if it gets worse. But, I, you know, I suspect that's one of those things that's like, let's make less of a big, less of a thing about this than, uh, than, than Fox. You know, Fox would love to get into a fight with it, right? Because that just brings more viewers in and, and Apple would probably go like, eh. yeah. Nah. Yep. No, instead, what <laughs> we'll do is on the Apple TV show, we'll make sure that we have uh, an episode of a really, really popular show basically trashing the Fox News tech guy. <laughs> 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 you know, uh, tit for tat. So, yeah. so what anyway. do we learn today? We've learned that we're not going to buy GM cars, that uh, Fox News tech guy doesn't know anything. Um that uh, if you live in Belgium, you might have a really good solution for solar slash hydrogen, that Romans really know how to use cement, that back in the 40s, we had houses built the way we should be building them now, and uh, what else? <laughs> See, we didn't learn the lesson the first time around. Just no. upgrade the technology as time comes along, right? Just keep on doing it. So yeah. It's a good idea to have your own. And when you live out in the country and yeah. in the middle of a farm, uh yeah, well, when the, nobody's right. rushing to run wires to you, you got to figure it out how to do it on your own, right? Absolutely. You know, yeah. or or well, pipes for I your water. Six, I, I was six years old when the electric utility showed up, and I remember that because the last few months before mm -hmm. that, the house was a mess for putting in 110 volt wires instead of six volt wires right you know? <laughs> well and was and the, was there and i wonder was there ever any thought to hey no thanks we don't want it no 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 thanks at all i mean no thoughts at all in that regard you know because like really, hey we, we've got yeah. lights we don't we don't why would we want to pay you you know because now we're forever well, here, beholden to the power company well i i think the attraction at that time for my dad was television was becoming available out, you know, with the long range antennas. Ah, yeah. You know, and without without uh, regular electricity, you couldn't have television. Yeah. Six yeah, volt there didn't were, support that. Yeah, there was no, no six, six volt, volt TVs. TVs. Yeah. Which is ironic because most of the electronics inside the TV probably were running on something like five volts or 12 volts. Right, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, they probably were. Yeah. But, yeah. It's anyway. it's funny, it's funny. Anyway, um, I think we had a good show we'll today for for what we thought was a fairly short. Uh, I mean, we went way off of the tech conversation for a while, but uh, but anyway, all in it all, was fun. And we'll see you Monday so next week. I think. We, yeah, we will. Um, I just a quick note though that uh, you know for those of you who are faithful, uh, have a. Uh, a, a, a you know, Good Friday is this Friday, and then we've got Easter on Sunday. So have a, a uh, mm. uh, wonderful Easter gathering. Most people spend that time with family and friends. So um, we're going to have some family over, and uh, we'll see you on Monday. Okay. Yeah. Happy Easter, folks. Happy Easter. Happy Easter.